0: to find out if it's right for you.
1: She was a woman that was living in Dublin in the 1700s. If a woman kills a baby, oh my God, she's so outside of the norms. She has to be a witch, I guess. Her actual death involved a partial hanging first until she was unconscious and then she was burned at the stake great, great, great,
0: great, great, great. I'm Nicola Talent and you're listening to Crime World a podcast about criminals drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe
2: which devil worshipper and Ireland's first serial killer are just some of the titles that have been disposed upon Darkie Kelly over the years. Born in the 1700s as Dorcas, she ran a brothel on Fishamble Street in Dublin city centre. And while not much is known about her life, the story went that she was burned at the stake for witchcraft after she sacrificed her baby to the devil in 1746. But in 2011, researchers debunked the theory that she was a witch when they discovered that the sex worker was actually publicly executed in 1761 for the murder of shoemaker Patrick Dowling on March 17th, the year previously. Soon, a new theory began to emerge that she was a serial killer after a newspaper report suggested that five bodies were found beneath the floorboards of her former brothel. In 2022, PhD researcher Shannon Hughes-Spence, who was an interest in women, witches and murder, took it upon herself to investigate whether or not Darkie was, in fact, a serial killer. Today she joins me as we discuss the king of hell, public executions and the truth about the famed murderer. I'm Chloe Domini and this is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. So Shannon, the story we're going to talk about today, it really has a lot of different elements in it that you might not regularly see on Crime World. So there's going to be a bit of witchcraft, maybe some sacrifices to the devil, some ghosts, some ghouls. But really what brought us here to talk about this character today is the fact that she's allegedly Ireland's first serial killer. So can you tell me who is Darkie Kelly? So, Darkie Kelly or Dorcas Kelly, um, Darkie being
1: her nickname, she was a woman that was living in Dublin in the 1700s. We don't really know much about her when she was born or, you know, her growing up. But it's suspected that she was born around 1720 to 1730. Um, And at some point in time, Darkie Kelly began running the operation of the Maiden Tower Brothel at Copper Alley, Fishamble Street, in County Dublin. So, like I said, we don't know too much about her life. She kind of came to the public's awareness um, and why we know her now because of the rumours, the really dark rumours that were associated with her, whether it was witchcraft or her being a serial killer.
2: So how did that kind of idea that she was a serial killer come about? So
1: it's a bit of a a windy road, to be honest, Um, it wasn't until 2011 that, you know, Darkie Kelly, the serial killer, kind of came out um, in the news. Before that, she was thought to be a witch who became pregnant with a child of um, the first Earl of Carlhampton, Simon Luttrell, um, nicknamed the King of Hell. But that was disproven then in 2011 by two people who did a little bit of research into Darkie Kelly. And they found that she actually wasn't burned at the stake like people originally thought in 1746. It turned out that she had been killed or publicly executed on the 7th of January 1761 um, for killing a shoemaker called John Dowling. Um, So 30 years then after her public execution It came out within some newspapers that allegedly there were five bodies found below the floor of the Maiden Tower Brothel. So that's kind of when the serial killer rumour sparked um, 30 years after her death. And they came to light down in 2011 when uh, two people did some research and found newspaper records, one newspaper record documenting that those bodies were found.
2: So really it was this idea that she was this, uh, sex worker brothel keeper and um, they found after her death they found these these bodies buried underneath the um the foundations of the pub is that right what, what stands today now as a pub so tell us a little bit about then the idea that she was a witch so like you said that she was allegedly burnt at the stake so she was publicly Home publicly killed, was she actually burned? That's really interesting. Um,
1: so initially, the story was that she became pregnant with the child, like I mentioned, to Simon Luttrell. Um And he was a very dark, you know, had a very dark reputation about him being nicknamed the King of Hell and being a member of the Hellfire Club, which is a whole other story. But um, what happened was when the rumours of her being a witch obviously it would make sense that you know people would attach that she has been burned at the stake like so many people who were accused of witchcraft were but her actual death involved a partial hanging first until she was unconscious and then she was burned at the stake and when she was actually burned at the stake um in 1761 her body was then, her remains were then taken by 12 sex workers who worked with her. And they, her remains were brought back then to Copper Alley and to be waked. But a bit of a riot broke out and her remains were seized. And those 12 sex workers were sent to prison.
2: For, for kind of what, what, what ended up, where did they end up in prison? Was it for partying too much or? A Bit of public
1: disorder. And, um, you know, I, I'm assuming. Well, a large crowd did draw to witness the execution. And, um, you know, the 12 sex workers were obviously not very happy that their friend had just been publicly executed. So there was a bit of a ruckus caused.
2: And before we get into kind of why she was, um, you know, publicly executed, were men treated in the same manner that women were back then in terms of their public executions? Was it the same? Were they also harshly hung and burned at the stake or what way was it done for the men? So it's actually really interesting. When I looked into this at first, I didn't really
1: understand or like I couldn't find a clear answer why this was. Um, because generally, people were burnt as a form of public execution um, in the UK. And of course, Ireland did what the UK did um, at that time too. So in Ireland, it's a very dark way to put it, but we were quote-unquote, nice enough to hang women before they were burned, whereas men were just, you know, burned generally. Um, But the idea kind of came about that this was a little bit strange um, because an example would be that at the time in England, they were writing about why, you know, why are we burning people? Like, this is so barbaric. Even, you know, the quote-unquote savages in Ireland have the decency to hang Women to kind of preserve the delicate nature of the female soul, even though you know they're being executed because they're accused and found guilty of murder. So it's kind of it's to do with the idea of although a woman may have killed somebody and that's why they're being executed, hanging them first would kind of reserve some dignity, and so they'd be unconscious when they were being burned.
2: Because obviously back in the day, way back in the day, we're looking back into 1700s here, like there's, you know, women and men are, are treated so differently, like to the point where obviously women who might be a bit different are being accused of, of witchcraft. And that's what's so interesting in this story is that, you know, the kind of the occult never really mixes in with the crime, but, but here we have a great intersection of the two of them. Um, so how did she end up being this, this? how was this idea that she was a witch. Where did that also come from? So that was classic folklore um, pre-2011,
1: if we can say. Um, like I, I said, she became pregnant with um, Simon Luttrell's child, allegedly. And um, and he was a member of the Hellfire Club. But I think what's really interesting um, is that the Hellfire Club was founded in 1737 or 1738, depending on the source. Um, And it wasn't at the classic building like the Hunter's Lodge, where everybody knows now in the Dublin Mountains. It was actually just in a pub in Dublin, um, near where the Irish Film Institute is now. But the Hellfire Club members, they had a, a reputation for drinking and, you know, their unconventional attitudes towards religion um, and also their individual problems and misgivings that they'd have that society would kind of look down upon and kind of be suspicious. So inevitably there was going to be occult associations with the Hellfire Club. And, you know, it's likely that the members kind of fueled these rumours as well. Um, but in terms of Dark Kelly. She allegedly demanded financial support from Simon. So when he said no, then for whatever reason, she decided, right, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to sacrifice my baby to Satan. And allegedly she killed the child uh, during a satanic ritual. There's no, there's no indication that she was a member of the Hellfire Club. So just, I would assume that the satanic ritual either came from her association with Luttrell or... Just the fact that, you know, if, if if a woman kills a baby, oh my God, she's so outside of the norms. She has to be a witch, I guess. Um, and in Ireland at the time, to do such a crime, um, it would have been considered, like, liable to be sentenced to death by burning. Um, the body and the baby, like, the body of the baby was never found. Um, so it's unlikely that this story was true and it's even more unlikely uh, considering she was allegedly killed in 1746 when we know that she wasn't killed until 1761. So I can only assume the the um, rumours around witchcraft and the occult was due to her alleged relationship with somebody who was a member of the Hellfire Club and also somebody who was, you know, um, quite
2: significant, yeah, a significant political figure at the time as well. Who was Simon Luttrell and, how was is there any evidence that they even knew each other and there's not
1: necessarily any evidence apart from them being around at the same time um and also like I mentioned he had a nickname called the king of Hell but it wasn't because he was like the devil it was because he frequented Dublin's brothel district which
2: was nicknamed hell so they could have known each other from that exactly exactly so how did she end up uh this this brothel keeper in the 19. 19- Sorry, in the 1700s, how did she end up publicly executed for murder? Who did she kill? What happened? So this didn't really come to light,
1: like I mentioned, until 2011. So it's alleged and she was found guilty of the murder of a shoemaker called John Dowling on St. Patrick's Day in 1760. Um, There's no publicly available trial records, so... We, we can't really, you know, make up an informed decision of whether or not she was actually guilty of this murder, but we do know that she was found guilty and executed for it um, either way. Um, and then once that happened, Darkie Kelly or Dorcas Kelly, the name doesn't really appear in any of the newspapers, uh, in any of the newspaper databases at all. But her trial was, um, it, it was reported on quite a bit at the time, um, but once once she was dead, it kind of trailed off and, and that was that. It was just another execution in a time where public executions were quite common or common enough. And then mm-hmm. it wasn't until 30 years later that her name reappeared.
2: And we have to look at as well, I guess, the idea that when this happened, when she was accused of being a witch and this kind of era was very near the time of obviously the save of them. Witch trials and everything like that very much in the same century. And um, so... Do you think that that had any impact on the kind of notion that she was a she was a witch as well as a serial killer <laughs> <laughs> what a combination what two names have
1: attached to your name forever yeah <laughs> I don't know if it would have been influenced by Salem as such um 50 years before Dorcas Kelly was killed Ireland had its own mass witch trial in Isle of Magee up north Um, And those people were found guilty of witchcraft. Um, It's generally believed that they weren't killed, apart from the last victim, who was a man who was executed. So I don't know if I would have had too much bearing. I think it's more to do with the social attitudes at the time towards women and sex workers. And of course, you know, if she if she genuinely did kill this guy, John Dowling, that's probably why too. Um, But I. I think there is also an intersection of how sex workers and witches and women are viewed in the public. And I think that could have a more general impact um, rather than specifically, you know, the previous quote unquote witch panic that was happening in Europe and the United States or the colonies in the United States.
2: And do you think that, I guess, as you say, she was probably maybe scapegoated a little, like kind of this very stereotypical um woman, I mean even looking back at the idea that she, you know, had to sacrifice her child to the devil because she couldn't get money from, like, oh, how dare this woman look for support for her child? Um, do you see those kind of I guess um parallels in media and in kind of how sex workers are viewed today? Yeah, I, I do think so. And I think especially
1: for the narrative of Dorcas Kelly for so long to be attached to being a witch and being a woman who killed her child has really latched on and hasn't really been shaken, um, so much so that I don't don't want to get in trouble, but uh, official quote-unquote official um, advertisements of things that capitalise on Dorcas Kelly haven't changed that narrative, um, even though they might use it to bring in an audience or customers they still promote that narrative uh, quite publicly that she was somebody who who killed her own child and that's why she was killed so it's a little mm. problematic
2: mm. no definitely and as well looking at that you you know there there are still obviously the hellfire club in in dublin lots of people still go there thinking that it is where i mean the the the, the the rumour, the folklore was, of course, that they went there and had, you know, drinks of the devil or whatever it may be. And it was very much believed that Simon Luttrell was part of this. Was he also a sheriff in Dublin? Yeah, so the, this family, this whole Luttrell family, <laughs> they, they have
1: a lot of drama, um, to put it lightly. But Simon, he was, like I mentioned, the first Earl of Carhampton. I suppose the role of people within law enforcement back then is different to how it would be now but he did he would have had authority um around that sort of area where he would i want to say patrol the streets but um you know he he would have influence i suppose with with uh, local authorities and um even clergy as well to an extent
2: mm. so that could obviously be part of the narrative of you know even if he say for instance did get a woman pregnant uh, he's in law enforcement he's this you know man of power for him to easily turn around and say, oh, she's a witch, um, you know, would, would very easily, I think, wash with people because they're thinking, especially in the disparity between men and women, you know, now and even three, four hundred years ago, you know, you're looking at that as well. Um, it's obviously going to be a lot worse. Um, so at the moment, there are still, you know, like I said, we've got the Hellfire Club, but there's also Fishamble Street where her brothel was. That's still there and you're still able to go and visit it. And it's, you know, it's called Darkie Kelly's, the pub. You can go, you can go there. You, have you been to either? I have been to Darkie Kelly's,
1: yeah. When I first heard of Darkie Kelly, it was actually through you. Um, so I wanted to have a look at the place and I don't know, I'm just a massive history nerd. I love like getting the vibes and the energy from different historical places. So I did go, um, really lovely staff and everything. And, um, and it was just interesting to be, you know, where allegedly like the tower once was. It is also a restaurant. And I believe the the brothel, the Maiden Tower brothel, it was between the two buildings. I don't think it's an exact replica. It was really difficult to find. I did go looking for like, I don't even like planning permission and like buildings in Dublin and just try to trace the exact whereabouts because I know it is at that building, but from what I could find, it's not like, I don't think it's exactly the pub. I think it's like
2: a mix between the pub and the restaurant. Um, so yeah, I have been. Um, yes, and I, I haven't been, but I've been to the Hellfire Club Um you know, it is a long way away. And I used to always think to myself, when you know, when I was walking up there that day, I was like, how did people get here from the city centre years ago? Like, I drove to the bottom of the hill and I'm still having problems. Getting, like, I'm still wrecked come up here. How would you come up here with crates of beer and and everything every weekend to have a party? I don't know. Um, but yeah, she is, you know, another part of the story, like we said at the start, Ghosts and Ghouls. There is obviously this idea that she still haunts um, the maiden Tower Brattle, but you know what? What are your kind of opinions on that? Do you believe in the in that side of the occult? I mean, I
1: love all things to do with the occult. Um, it's no secret. I don't know. I mean, I've heard many things. I've heard that she hunts there. She hunts church. I was like, I don't. I don't know what this woman is gonna do. Like, but I mean, I don't know. Maybe she is just kind of lurking around. <laughs> but what you said about the uh, the Hellfire Club, like hiking up that hill, like I cannot imagine. People of like prestige and who had quite comfortable lifestyles would want to make the hike to the top of that hill because it's severe, it's extreme.
2: Yeah, Simon Luttrell, I can imagine was it a feaster, beer belly, drank lots of wine or whatever. I can't imagine he he would want to go up that hill um, often. Um, another thing then as well, we want to brush on. So yeah, the ghosts and girls. There is obviously stories that she does haunt the place. The glasses have moved and stuff like that. But again, part of the folklore probably of 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 going to the pub and visiting it and seeing it all and a little bit about then about like how did you end up like you said you you did hear about this through myself but I you know this is a a, it's a crime it's and you're obviously you research on witches as well so tell us a little bit about that how you kind of ended up finding the interest to go into that.
1: Yeah so I have a big interest in researching historical witch trials and witches, and especially within an Irish context. And when I seen, you know, Jackie Kelly, alleged witch, alleged serial killer, I was like, oh my God, it's the intersection of all my interests. So I started looking into it. And, you know, pre-2011, like we said, she was a witch. And then that was pretty much debunked. And then in 2011, she became a serial killer. And I was like, okay, let me look into this. So I went searching and I was um, looking through Previous uh, blog posts, newspaper articles that had covered the story post 2011, um, looking at this serial killer narrative. And a couple of them mentioned, you know, the newspaper articles that came out uh, 30 years after she died, saying that five bodies were found under the floorboards. And I was like, okay, I want to see this newspaper article. Um, Again, I absolutely love history and I like being in the place where I can feel the energy and I like seeing original documents. But I couldn't find the newspaper article. And I was like, okay, why is this so difficult to access? So I checked different databases. There was nothing there. I was like, okay, a bit weird. So I started I started cold emailing people who had mentioned it, like in their articles, like from different newspaper reports and blog posts. And uh, somebody got back to me. And on the off chance, I asked if she would have a copy of the original newspaper that specified that five bodies are found under the floorboards. And she did. And she sent it on to me. And from what she knows and from what I could find out, it's a newspaper that originated in London and it came out 30 years after she was killed, like I said. And I was like, okay, that's a bit that's a bit weird that suddenly 30 years after this woman was killed, she's allegedly a serial killer. Because even if there were genuinely five bodies found under the floorboards 30 years after somebody died, With all the people coming and going between visiting the brothel and working in the brothel? Who's to say that it was Darkie Kelly that put those five bodies there, if they were there to begin with? So that led to me digging on a little bit further. And then everything kind of just unraveled. And it was just like moments like things started to click and fall into place. And when I came across the trial of her, you know, quote unquote, sister, Maria Lulin, I think I'm pronouncing that right. um, and I can go into that a little bit. That's another crime within itself and um, kind of related to, again, the Luttrell family. Um,
2: oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, OK, so Maria, she was like, she's called her sister, but it's unclear if it's her biological sister or if it's, you know, her sister because they were both uh, brothel owners or they both ran brothels anyway. And Maria found herself on trial almost 30 years after Jackie Kelly. So the story goes and it's it's very dark, like although, you know, alleged baby sacrifice to the devil is dark and alleged incidences of like serial killing is all dark. And this one, I think, is just quite horrendous because it does. There is like evidence, like a lot of evidence uh, towards this. So it's a lot more substantiated than any claims against Darkie Kelly. So Maria was accused of procuring a 12 or 13 year old girl uh, called Mary Neal into her brothel um, in November 1787 under the pretense of delivering a letter. So Maria was like, hey, can you come to my house? I need to give you a letter to deliver it. So Mary went to Maria's house and there, there was a man waiting for her. who he was allegedly Henry Luttrell Luttrell. Um, the second Earl of Carlhampton and son to Simon Luttrell, the first Earl, who, again, was allegedly Darky Kelly's, you know, baby daddy, for want of a better word. So Henry and Simon both had like similar reputations as like being womanizers and, you know, kind of having an air about them that they could get away with things that most people wouldn't. So once Mary Neal was in the house, this man allegedly, Henry Luttrell, had sexually assaulted Mary Neal and this incident was like not accepted within Dublin at the time and so maria was actually charged with aiding and abetting the quote unquote unknown man and um, and her trial took place in July 1788 so it it was alleged against her that that maria had the parents of mary arrested for robbery which resulted them resulted in them being sent to prison where mary's mother who was pregnant lost her baby and died because of the abuse that she suffered um, against one of the prison guards. And because of this, Maria was found guilty and sentenced to death.
2: So that's pretty dark within itself. So essentially, he he's, a, he, he's accused of one thing, decides, I'm so big and powerful, and has false allegations made up against this woman and her child.
1: Yeah, so Henry attacked a 12 year old girl and essentially Maria was almost thrown under the bus because it happened within her brothel. And then she went to prison and while she was in prison, she allegedly had then accused Mary, the girl's parents of robbery. And then the the mother died in prison and Maria was then found guilty and sentenced to death because she was indirectly guilty of murder of Mary's mother.
2: Yes. This guy was also the commander in chief of the British army in Ireland. So he wasn't just anybody. He was very, very high up in in his job as well and and, and in who he was. So obviously he had the power to say, I didn't do this, uh, you know, get the, you know, the blame on somebody else and ended up, they were thrown in prison instead. Um, So that's how you ended up kind of researching this. And I guess. You know, the whole idea of a lot of people who are interested in crime, um, it's all this kind of need and want for information. Um, and, you know, you're, you're very much a professional sleuth in that sense, in that you're, you know, you're a researcher now as well. You do research in other areas around um, women. Um, what would your, if somebody is like, wow, I'm really fascinated about researching these historical crimes, what would your advice be to them? Because it's easy to do something in the last 10 years. You know, you want to look at your grained wire or you want to look at your, you know, uh, an eccredial case or whatever it might be. You can easily do that with Google and the internet and all the stories are there. But if somebody wants to go back and look at something that happened hundreds of years ago and that, that's what they're interested in, how do you go about that? I wouldn't even know where to start. Um, I would say,
1: I mean, there's all, somebody has always worked on something before like you're you're likely never gonna find an original thing to research um so my recommendation would be to locate experts in that field already um, and and kind of see what their most recent research says um like I mentioned before a big fan of Irish history and which trials within Ireland so I'll always like consult what Dr. Andrew Sneddon of Ulster Ulster University has because he's like the leading expert on that area. So you do come up um, with these different key people and key figures um, who are looking into different historical aspects. Um, But for the likes of, you know, one specific person in history, uh, like Dorcas Kelly, what I found was that when a narrative is publicised, people really run with it, even if it's not necessarily true. And... and accessing information can be quite difficult, especially you know, if you're not supported by a research institution or an organisation that has access to public databases that are well, maybe not even that public, but behind a paywall. Um, for example, the newspaper databases, the British one and the Irish one, they're both behind paywalls. So when I was looking for newspaper articles, it was really difficult because I think you get like three free ones for the British one at least. So I was able to like pull three so i had to like really decide which were the three ones that i was going to get but the irish one you don't get um you don't get any like free samples or anything like that and even more than that a lot of irish newspapers prior i think it's to 1800 um are not digitized yet so you actually have to go and visit the documents in person um so it's kind of looking at where the information is and how to go about accessing it once you know where it is um yeah, so that'd be my, my biggest tips is to locate experts in the area and then locating where the information is. And it's also worth noting that, especially like in the trial of Darkie Kelly, there's been academic journal articles and book chapters written that have incorrectly referenced information about Jackie Kelly that we now know is no longer true. You know, some people will run off the nerve that she was a witch, but even more recent ones are pushing the serial killer narrative, even though, I mean, I have my personal theories that she may not have been a serial killer um, due to her relationship with Maria and that trial, um, simply because when Maria was, you know, found guilty um, one month later, it was literally the next month that the article came out about Darky Kelly being a serial killer. So in my mind, it sounds almost like a justification and for people in positions of authority at that time um, and within the legal structures were almost trying to save face because the public was really turning away from the idea of public execution. So it's almost like they were trying to justify Dorcas Kelly being Mm. publicly executed. Um, But again, like I was saying, reputable sources can have misinformation so it is really important to try and find the source if somebody references one thing don't just take their word for it go and find the original document that's stating that just so we have historically <laughs> accurate information.
2: And to throw another spanner in the works, I suppose, you know, the, the legal libel and slander laws were probably not as tight in the 1700s as, as they are right now. So I suppose people could kind of make up anything and slap it in the paper and say that was news. And some people would say that people still do that. But uh, Shannon, you, Spence, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I'm delighted to be able to chat about this. It's a really,
1: really interesting topic. And I I'd love people to kind of do their own research into Darkie Kelly because she was a really interesting woman. Um, Whether she was a witch or a serial killer, I mean, we'll never truly know. We can have our suspicions. I have my suspicions, she was neither. But uh, either or, I do think, especially Irish women deserve to have um, their stories told because, you know, we live in a country where it hasn't always been kind to women. So the least we can do is to, you know, accurately tell their stories with the evidence and data that's available to us. So thank you.
2: So witchcraft debunked, serial killer theory debunked. Did Simon Luttrell grow up the hill every weekend with a slab of cans though? That is to your own imagination. Thanks so much. (laughs) Thank you.
0: You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Clodamini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on,